of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 195. Jason Lingren is with me and Kurt Kallenbach is back with us. Uh, we just spent a full hour going over the third letter Kurt has written to the uh, National Security Council and the chairman, Donald J. Trump. This keeps getting more interesting and more interesting. And the problem we have in our world right now is logic dictates that this cannot be coincidence. But the fact is we can't prove it one way or the other. Jason, welcome. Good afternoon, Crow. Anything you want to cover before we jump in with Kurt? This is going to be a heck of an episode. I don't know what else to say about that, but do you have anything for the intro? Nope, let's move forward. All right. Welcome, Kurt. How are you guys doing now? <laughs> well, Twisted Sister comes to mind. <laughs> oh. uh, it's, it's a bit, when you start looking at this, it is unimaginable, to say the least. So we had you on before, and we covered two letters that you wrote to the National Security Council. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, twice we associated it with responses from the chairman, Donald J. Trump. Um, we have the same situation again here, but this time, I don't know how you would ever say this isn't going on because you wrote a letter and I'll let you define better than I can what's in the letter, but in the public response, the public proclamation, which we looked up, in other words, informing the public, there's a thing called the Palermo Act. And for my money, is it possible that in a year, anyone in government is ever going to talk about the Palermo Act? And the fact is that they were talking about it in a public proclamation a week or two after you sent the letter. So where do we start here, Kurt? Where do we even pick up in all this? I think that we should slow way down and go back to the beginning. Okay. Because we hit the ground running in 183. We covered some letters in 188. But the reality is, is unless people know the root or the, the foundation to these ideas, they're going to get lost in, we'll call it, I mean, even something as simple as semantics or symptoms. I, I prefer if, if people understand the root to the, I believe the, the global cancer is misinformation. It's misinformation. And I don't think that what we're discussing here is naturally negative towards people's we'll say belief systems, if they understand the mechanics behind the belief systems, it could actually enhance their belief systems in a weird sort of way. I mean, so put a fine point on it. We're, we're going to state flat out the Old Testament and the New Testament of the Bible are directly being used in, I don't know, do we call these laws? I guess we do call them laws. And I, I mean, when I talk to you, Kurt, I have to moderate my language. I've, I've, I've learned how to speak a certain way my whole life, but as we've come to know, words have meaning. And so let's just define once again, for people who may have missed the first couple episodes, what we're talking about. Could we define this as being lost at sea? Yes. Yes, you can. But when people hear lost at sea, it's too ethereal for them. Right. They don't understand what is actually missing is biological. There's a piece of you that is actually unaccounted for. And it is the boat you came in on. It's the vessel or the ship or the ark, A-R-K, the ark that you came in on. And that particular ark is biological. It is the literal connection to your creator. It's the ark, ark of the let's, covenant. Let's define it. So what we're talking about here, or what Kurt is talking about, and you're going to pry end up correcting me all over the place. I have a very difficult time learning how to speak in a new way. 
the arc or the biological material you're talking about is, if I'm not mistaken, three things, the placenta, the umbilicus, and the call. Is that correct? No. Okay. But thank you for, for making the effort. It would be D, none of the above, as, right. as you stated. Let's go back to the simple first. When mom and dad get together, all they do is provide building materials. Mom provides building materials in the form of an ovum, and dad provides building materials in the form of sperm. When those building materials magically get utilized, that is an act of creation. It's called fertilization. Uh, mom and dad don't do that. Mom and dad do not, they have nothing to do with the act of creation. They only supply, they drop off the building materials at a job site. That's all they do. Now, the act of creation is called fertilization, and that, that's the beginning. That is the actual beginning. I'm going to go to the definition of Genesis at Merriam-Webster Online because everybody thinks they understand the word Genesis. They don't. So I'm going to go to Genesis, and here's small g Genesis. This is just Merriam-Webster Online. Definition of Genesis, small g Genesis, the origin or coming into being of something. That's the definition of small g Genesis, whereas the definition of capital G Genesis is the mainly narrative first book of canonical Jewish and Christian scriptures. There you go. Right there, you got a Genesis to a Judeo-Christian culture versus the Genesis or biological origin of man. Two different things. One's an idea, and one is actually provable. Uh, scientifically. So we're talking about a beginning here. So um, this is also difficult. I'm going to do my best to keep up and I'm going to do my best to use appropriate language. If I blow it, let me know. No big deal. I'll correct myself. What we're saying here is, can I call it a divine spark? Can I call that beginning I, a divine spark when the building materials come together and life starts? Absolutely. I do. I, I, call, it, I call it a divine spark. That's yeah, what I've been calling it. So mom and dad provide the building materials and they come together and there's what we're going to use. The words we're going to use as a divine spark happens. Life is created. To be very clear and correct me again if I get this wrong, that beginning is at the zygote. Not at the birth of a child when a birth certificate is made. That's nine months later, at least, right? Absolutely. It has, one has nothing to do with the other. All right. Go ahead, man. What I want to do is I want to bring in the, the, uh, the, the Roman pontiff or the Pope real quick for a reason. I want people to understand that the Pope is not necessarily the enemy. In fact, I believe the Pope is always telling the truth. It's just that we misconstrue or we bend these ideas to our own, to fit our perception of our belief system. The Pope is not lying. He's always telling you the truth, which is a funny statement in in many cases for people that don't believe this stuff. Before you go on, let's frame that so people understand, because a lot of people will say, what the hell is Kurt talking about here? Basically, if you're told the truth and you don't understand the truth and you do things that are unhelpful to your own self, then in a way that's kind of on you, right? That's maybe the idea here. Absolutely. If I tell you exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're always telling us the truth and then we choose against it. I I agree with you, but not wholly because I think you're led to make the mistake or or the seeds are fully provided for people to make the mistake and and be ignorant. And, And it's almost like a trap. 
It's almost like a bear trap in the woods that you couldn't possibly detect. That's my problem, but let's get back to what you're laying down. Okay. So, 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 so from this, my point this, of view, there's been a bear <laughs> trap in the woods that you couldn't possibly see, and we're all going to step in it. Every one of us going to have a bear trap on our legs. Point is, Kurt is saying that bear trap is there because of our ignorance. If we understood the truth that was being spoken, then... Go ahead. I, I just have so many problems with this because I, 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 I'm with you on this. You know, I am. So, yeah. so the Holy See, this is Fides a Radio or Ratio, John Paul II to the bishops of the Catholic Church on the relationship between faith and reason. I'm only going to read the first two paragraphs because it, from there we, we, we get to jump off into the science side of this. Okay. It says faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth. And God has placed in the human heart a desire to know the truth, in a word, to know himself, so that by knowing and loving God, men and women may also come to the fullness of truth about themselves. So he says faith and reason are required, but here it is. This is the introduction. It says know yourself. In both East and West, we may trace a journey which has led humanity down the centuries to meet and engage truth more and more deeply. It is a journey which has unfolded, as it must, within the horizon of personal self-consciousness. The more human beings know reality and the world, the more they know themselves in their uniqueness with the question of the meaning of things and of their very existence becoming ever more pressing, of their existence becoming ever more pressing. This is why all that, this is why all that is the object of our knowledge becomes a part of our life. The admonition, know yourself, was carved on the temple portal at Delphi as testimony to a basic truth to be adopted as a minimal norm by those who seek to set themselves apart, here it is, from the rest of creation as human beings, that is, as those who know themselves. Here's what Pope just said. He said that those who actually know themselves, they know all of themselves, and they, by knowing all, they set themselves apart from the rest of creation as human beings. Human beings, this is funny, but human beings implies human being present. It implies a psychological presence in, in the human. In other words, it's devoid of presence in beingness. All that's left is human. And that's, that's the whole argument here is that there's a piece of you that is lacking presence or beingness that is only human. And that so, piece of you has been has been separated off. It's been separated off. What I'm getting at is that human doesn't have beingness. It doesn't have your presence. Okay. And while I don't agree with that statement, legally, I think you're correct. I think in, in legalistic terms or however I would even say that, I think that is the reality. We can all look at each other and understand we all exist. But just to make a fine point, you pointed out, know thyself. We were all just poked in the eye by the most popular movie of 1999, when not the Oracle of Delphi, but the Oracle speaking to Neo pointed up above the portal in her kitchen to show Neo, know thyself. These ideas are important. They come around, they come around, they come around. And so in the same way, Kurt just pointed out, 
where that was lifted from, the Oracle of Delphi, and then reused in a Hollywood movie called The Matrix. The Oracle there shows Neo, what we're talking about here. But I think you need to define one more time. What do you mean we're separated? What did we lose, Kurt? What do we not have that we wish we did so we could be humans that are being? Here's the funny part, Crow. Most people don't know the rest of that oracle. The rest of the oracle is know thyself in thine proper proportions. <laughs> I don't like the feeling of drowning in ignorance, but every time I speak with you, I feel like my nose is barely above the waterline. Funny that you say drowning. No, I said that on purpose. I, I'm feeling a little lost at sea here. What's that? What's that new band's name? Seasick Steve. There's a reason. Well, watch out for that abandoned ship. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But here's the thing: is thine proper proportions is the rest of you. It's 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 the piece of you that has been, we'll call it, forgotten. Wait a minute. Am I you, missing? Am I missing a piece of me, Kurt? Can you tell me what that piece of me that I'm missing is? Yes. I'm. Let's let, now. Let's just do that. Because that's where everybody gets confused. They think that it's like cutting off a finger and, right. and, and missing a finger. It's not. See, what people don't realize is that I'm going to get ahead of myself for a reason here. When the umbilical cord is cut, that's called an avulsion, A-V-U-L-S-I-O-N. And that avulsion is a forced separation of you from the rest of your entirety. That entirety is the rest of your godly estate. So when they've forcibly cut or separate you by cutting the umbilical, the property that is cut away and taken, that becomes a piece of your estate that evidences your godly origin. Because once you come out of the womb, you've, you're now separated from that origin, that original material. And they gave you a document, capital G Genesis, that evidences a new narrative or a story and the difference between going with the narrative and going with your biological small g genesis is that when you go with your biological small g genesis, you get both the origin of man and you get God. Because, because like you said earlier in this call, the spark, the divine spark fertilization results in a zygote, and that is your entire godly estate all in one place at one moment in time. I call it the singularity. That zygote is a single cell that has all of your genetic information in one place in one moment, and it only lasts for about a day. The zygote only lasts for about a day. From that point, day two, let's say, it starts to subdivide inside. So the outside remains pretty much original material. The surface of that zygote remains pretty much the same, but on the inside is where all the changes occur. So you have this original matter on the outside, and then you have all the biological changes on the inside. What's interesting is that the nine months in the womb from single cell to full-blown baby is evolution. It's the entire evolutionary process in the womb. Now imagine an entire population convinced that evolution didn't occur. I'm saying that it's godly. Evolution is part of the laws of nature, and nature's God. It's godly. So to actually negate the, the very act of creation, the zygote, and negate the product of that, which ultimately becomes man, you've negated the entire, your entire existence. How can you blame any individual, 
any human being because they were taught in school evolution was a whole other thing. And this is going to come to the point, and I know you and I agree. So they took something from me when I was coming into the port of entry nine months after the divine spark, roughly called birth, where the certificate was going to be made. And because I lost something, I'm going to be reclassified. Yes. Well, let's make it perfectly clear. I was All right. what I'll what I'll call an infant, so I I couldn't possibly have known any better. I'm guessing what you're going to say is my parents should have known better, but apparently they didn't. And you just defined what's pretty much an undeniable idea of a version of evolution. But all the way through school, I was told evolution was, in other words, everything that's ever happened since I have existed has led me astray. So I want to make that perfectly clear. I know we agree. In fact, there's a bear trap. In fact, I stepped in it. In fact, I'm wearing that bear trap on my damn leg till this day. But I was reclassified because I lost something coming into the port of entry. Is that correct? I believe that's true, yes. Define it. Just so you know that in 1302, this stuff is not new. I want to I be clear about this. I didn't just make this stuff up, find it. I may have found it recently or found connections. But the thing is, is this stuff has been going on a long time in 1302, Pope Boniface wrote what's called Unum Sanctum, Unum Sanctum, the very last line of it, or the last two lines say, whoever therefore resists this power thus ordained by God, resists the ordination of God, unless he makes believe like the Manichaean, there are two beginnings. We consider false and heretical, since by the testimony of Moses, not in the beginnings, but in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Indeed we declare, we pronounce, we define that it is altogether necessary to salvation for every human creature to be subject to the Roman pontiff. In other words, they're not talking about the human being. They're talking about the second, the afterbirth. They're talking about the second beginning. They're actually saying that the second beginning, that birth date, is both false and heretical. They're saying it in Unum Sanctum in 1302. So they're identifying the second material this second coming as a heresy. Again, we have fallen for this birth date for another reason. We, we, didn't, we didn't understand science. We forgot science. Science will actually lead us back to God if we know that our godly origin is fertilization. So I'm, I'm trying to be really clear here because my faith is actually stronger in the concept of what I don't know but my reason, the science that, that evidences my existence from fertilization to my last breath, which is a continuity, meaning I'm alive from both fertilization all the way, 59 plus years at this point in time, unbroken timeline, I'm alive. I'm in being. I, I, I actually have presence. So what they've done, let's go back to the science now. <clears throat> Again, remember that zygote lasts about one day. The outside of it remains roughly the same, the surface, let's call it, the surface. But inside of that ball, I'm going to call it a ball, inside of that ball is where all kinds of changes are occurring. That's where all of the evolutionary process of man occurs, inside that ball. The ball is now called a conceptus. The conceptus is the term that they're going to use all the way up until the time that you come out of the womb. So the conceptus, let's make this very simple. The outside is attached to the fetus by a cord. So now if you can envision only 
three things. The outside is surface, call it the shell if you want. Inside, you have the fetus or the, what's going to be baby. And then they're connected by an umbilical cord. Now, here's the thing, Crow. Here's my question. Shell, umbilical cord, and fetus. How many things are there? Three. One. Aha. Uh -huh. Of course. It's all, it's all the same genetic material. All it is is it, there's differentiation but it's still all the same thing, isn't it? Okay, I, I see. Okay, I, I get. I get how you just trapped me there. Yep. Uh, and yeah. this is this is the trap everyone's going to fall into because at some point that one is going to become divided. That's where you're going. I'm assuming. Yeah, it is. And the point is, is that this is all one estate. There's only one estate here. And if people keep thinking there's more than one thing here, that's where diversity of citizenship comes in. That's where the abandoned vessel comes in. It's not true. You have to know there's only one thing always. Always. Okay. Okay. But I, okay. I, I'm not going to go back to my, to my overarching problem with all of this. The baby coming through the port entry doesn't know anything. And is it our okay. fault? We didn't teach him black's law dictionary when he was still in the womb. I don't know here, but you know, you, well, you understand my objective. This is all very perverse, but I, I understand it, I, where you're going. But scientifically, every embryologist, every embryologist on planet earth would agree. There's only one thing here. Okay. So I'm you got you. one estate, one estate, one genetic material, one genetic entirety. And here's the thing is, as this passes through the nine months in the womb, it's still only one thing. Now, here's where it gets hairy, is the thing created that zygote now conceptus is one thing, and that's the created. That's what has been created. That's the godly aspect. That's man's origin. It's also evidence of man's divinity to god the creation itself and women here's what happens uh, yeah well uh, yeah sorry I'm, i mean all the same all when human beings that, when that ball attaches to the wall of the uterus that's called implantation now here's the problem when it plants into the wall of the uterus that ball now is ultimately we're going to call it corrupted meaning that even though the wall of the uterus feeds the nutrients and oxygen and stuff through the what, what is going to be the placenta, the wall of the uterus is not the same property, is it? No, but I'm starting to rethink what, what I think you're about to do here. So is the idea that the divine spark was innocent and pure, and then this other thing that we call the mother that has the uterus that's going to do all the things you just said, feed this new life, that's already of the world, isn't it? And so is that it's the idea? Well, be careful. All I'm asking right now is even simpler than that. Is it the same property? Well, no. I mean, I think a lot of people would try to argue it's half of the property of that. No, no, thing. no, 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 no. And and to be, they're not gonna they're not gonna win this. They're gonna lose every time they're going to prison. Here's my question: Is that conceptus DNA the same under no, the it's, same ownership it's not. as no, the maternal? It's not. No, because it's been combined. But I think that's where people get lost because they'd say, but wait a minute, 50% of the building blocks came from there. So that's no, it, the, it, oh, But wait a minute here. But is it the same? When it it's not. combines with dads, it's completely unique. It's right. completely separate. There's no way other than matching it. It is not mom's property. Okay. I, I guess technically, yes. I, I, see, I no, see where you've gone. Yes. This, this is the most important thing for people to get. Is that conceptus DNA the same as the wall of the uterus? Provably not. 
Absolutely not. They're two completely different individuals, two completely different beings. Right. They have nothing in common other than the fact that probably the uterine wall is mom or is the same female that offered the genetic material to begin with, but not necessarily. She could be a surrogate. That's true, too. Is this where the idea of the monstrosity comes in? Yes, because... And I don't want to get ahead of myself here because this story is the most important thing for people to get. All right, carry on. Without knowing this, you will make a claim that is not true because we're led to believe something that's so wrong. So here we go. When that conceptus, that ball is lodged in, in, in the wall of the uterus, it's called implantation, like, like an implant. They have two different ownerships, don't they? The ball itself is owned by me, the baby, and the wall of the uterus is owned by mother. Two different owners. Now, over the course of nine months, the wall of the uterus supplies all kinds of things. Does mother's oxygen ever make it to baby? No. Does mother's blood ever cross the barrier to baby? No. Because that baby, that conceptus is completely self-contained. It is its own thing, and it's godly. It is not the mother. That's the thing. So that divine spark is still the main, how do I even say this? So this thing is still innocent and pure because the divine spark is the main thing right there. I mean, a lot of people are going to try to argue, oh, nonsense. The mother owns that baby. But I see where you're going here. Is that the thing? So right now at the point you've reached, the divine spark, the purity, the godliness is still the main thing. Let's be very clear. I'm only going to argue property. Okay. Whose property is the conceptus? This is where it gets difficult. I think most people it's would all, say no, it's I mean, the I parents. Mean, no, unless mom can actually claim somebody else's DNA as her own property, whose property is the conceptus? Babies. Oh, okay. Um, th- this is, I mean, what you're saying, I understand totally what you're laying down, but this is the bridge for people. People think when a new child comes into the world, the parents own that child, for lack of better no, term. No, no. No, it's a godly being. The parents are only the, the best thing they could be. They're only the guardians for a short period, 18 years, 12 years, whatever. But they are not the owners. Okay. Now, so, here's, so basically I, they're again, caretakers I, till that comes into its majority. And those are all legal ideas. What I, I, right. I want to only do one thing here. Who owns the ball? I see where you've gone. The baby owns the ball. The baby owns the ball. That's the baby's estate. Nobody can make a claim upon that material ever, ever. And I'll say ever one more time. This is a property problem, a global property problem. If people don't know their godly origin, they're leaving behind the most important property of all time. Yeah, if what you're saying is correct, you're backing up the idea that there is no more powerful thing in this world than a claim. Especially upon that property. I think that's why go. I think I think what we're talking about here is why a claim is the most important thing, even when it goes into other things like I claim that tree or something. But I think this is where it starts. Here we go. So bear with me on this. That ball has all it's the entirety of your claim, your world, your worldly claims. Nothing, nothing can be made without all of that on your side. Okay. When baby 
comes out, we're going to call it during the, the born process, being born. Baby comes out. So the water breaks, the ball opens up, and baby comes out. Baby's still attached by umbilical cord to that ball, the shell. So baby comes out still attached. Crow, answer this question carefully. Baby comes out, umbilical cord still attached, fetal afterbirth is still inside mother. How many things are there? Before the incision to cut no. the umbilicus happens, there should be one thing there. There is one thing. It's called baby, umbilical, and extra embryonic material. It's still only one thing. Until the now, incision. Even when they evolve or cut, you can count two things, but how many estates are there? Well, okay. So yeah, right. There's only one estate. There's only ever going to be one estate until the, whatever you want to call them, the legal ideas come to bear on this is, act. Is, is that remaining cutoff material the exact same DNA as baby? Yes, it should be the baby's inheritance. It's part it's of the, the baby. There's no argument who owns that property. Well, there should be no argument. Unfortunately, apparently there is. I'm going to explain why right now. Here's the problem. When they forcibly cut, when they clamp and cut that material, what they've done is that baby comes out into the new world by cutting or avulsing that trailing material. That material is still inside the womb. It's still considered unborn. So now you've got two positions going on here, unborn and born at the same time. And that material that's been cut off is by legal definition an abortion. So the afterbirth is an abortion because the definition of abortion is the, the stopping of progress into the future. So when they cut, when they when they cut and sever the rest of your property and leave it behind, it is considered an abortion. And then that piece of property gets a title or a, a legal title, which is nothing more than a denomination or a identifier. And so now in my case, Curtis Richard Kallenbach would actually be, I'm going to call it the name to the abortion. So is a crime now, been committed? So is a crime been committed there, Kurt? Ab yeah, so what, what was the crime? They, they cut the umbilicus. So they severed something <clears throat> from the whole. They divided the estate in a way, didn't they? Yes. It's a violent crime because the cutting is a forced separation. The avulsion is a forced separation. The word force means violence. So they violently separated you from your property and then they carried it away, which is a larceny. So you got a violent crime against the most innocent of innocent right there at the port of entry. And the sad part is, is the person doing it had no clue about what we're talking about. I am guessing. That's why, that's why I use the word conversion because conversion allows for those people participating, this is what they did is they converted it. They converted it to a religious entity, a religious real property. That's what they did. They converted that remaining material to a religious real property that is being held on deposit. And that deposit is what evidences your equity in a system of full faith and credit. That's what's on deposit biologically as faith, your faith. Now let's, let's explain something about that material itself. Let me go back to biologically. I want to keep all the, all the legal shit out of this, if you don't mind. Okay. Let's stick with biology here. The shell, 
that baby was in, the shell that the fetus traveled in from zero fertilization to nine months, all of that time in the waters of mother through the tempest of birth, baby was inside that shell. What people don't realize is that shell is the vessel that baby traveled in or fetus traveled in. You got to look at it this way biblically. The fetus is Noah and the shell is the ark. Starting to make more sense, all the nautical language that's about to follow in the life of any living being. And so the ark, A-R-K, is the extra embryonic material, the shell that baby was protected in and traveling in. The baby itself or the fetus at the time is actually Noah. And if you understand the story of Noah and what Noah actually implies, it's the father's extending his estate genetically. It's the father extending his estate genetically. So Noah, doesn't matter female or male, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I'm just saying that the fetus inside that attached to that vessel, that extra embryonic is everything not embryo. Let me say that again. There's the embryo, Noah, and there's the extra embryonic material, which is everything not Noah. So now when they cut the umbilical cord, what they've done is they've separated you from your boat, Crow. I'm going to be lost at sea. I don't have a boat. There you are. You're lost at sea. Now, here's what's crazy about this. That boat, when it comes out minutes later, it has a different arrival time, doesn't it? Well, clearly. Right. So that means that there's a diff- now there's a problem here. There's a duality going on. Only to the perverse mind, but I'll let you carry on. Um, okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> it is perverse. because It is when very they, when perverse. They, but again, going back to the actual answer to the question, how many things are there even when they cut it? There's only one thing. There's always only one thing. That material, the Ark and Noah, are one unit. Even if they cut it, what they did is they did something called breaking bulk. When they break the bulk, when they cut it and separate out what's supposed to be one bundle, one bundle of joy, what they did is they converted a piece of it to somebody else's use. And that conversion is where this is going to go very south, very illegal, very quickly when you understand what what I'm implying here. Before you go back, let's just point out that there are cultures in this world, probably not in the too far distant past, who understood these things. How many cultures did the mother eat the placenta? Why would you do that? Or the idea of cake. As a matter of fact, we established in one of our other shows that we did with you that in some other languages, basically the word placenta is being used for the word cake. Now the idea of the birthday cake starts to take on a whole different meaning. You see, we've been brought up in a world where all the things we're talking about make people squeamish or uncomfortable, or these are things you don't want to see. But the truth is, how can you deny what Kurt's laying down here? It's all sound. It is. And then we either accept it or we don't. Here's what's crazy. The concept of Judeo-Christian is that in the womb is the Judeo. Out of the womb is the Christian. So what they've done is they've separated two different realms, the unborn Old Testament from the New Testament, I am Christ concept. And it's separated at that moment of arrival. And those two books, those two testaments have been separated by a birth date. 
There's, of course, more to that, too. So let's quickly point out the calendar of the Old Testament at this point goes back to 3780 or something close to that. Whereas if you go to the New Testament, there is no year zero. There is no beginning. It starts at one. There's a reason for these things, right? So all of the time before the number one or year one is the missing account. And that missing account is the Judeo section. It or is the zygote to the birth canal. Absolutely. So then that's what's on deposit. So when people only accept the New Testament and don't understand the ramifications of the old world or in the womb world, they have negated their godly origin, which is why Unum Sanctum says there is only one beginning of heaven and earth. And what we've done is we have completely negated reality and our direct link to God. That's what's horrible about this is we're doing it to ourselves based upon I got it. I, 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 we're being well, misled. I, I, I'm I know with that. you. I'm with you part of the way, but I'm not with, there's a damn bear trap in the woods that people put there and they did everything in the world to convince people they could walk safely in those woods. And every one of us got stuck in a trap. So the truth is at the beginning of those woods, there should be this massive sign that says, if you're a human being and you walk in these woods, you will be caught in a bear trap. What it actually says is nothing about bear traps. As a matter of fact, we've gone through a whole education system that makes us think bear traps don't even exist. So I want to be perfectly clear. I know you and I see eye to eye of it, but the perverse nature of what we're talking about is is beyond because nobody had a chance. Nobody. And yeah, it got lost in time. And yeah, there's still cultures that that do what they do with the placenta and other things because they still understand There's that godly connection, for lack of better terms. But there is not one card in this foul deck that was not stacked against us, to be clear. There's no doubt. There is no um, doubt. There's no doubt. And and again, I'm smiling as you speak, because the horror for me is that even even if we show this scientifically, Crow, if I prove it scientifically, the scary part is, is that people will still deny the, the biological origin. And again, the neat thing about the biological origin or small degenesis is it leads you back to fertilization, which is the actual act of creation. So when you understand the science, I'll call it reason, it takes you back to the faith where science doesn't go any further. Faith is, is the godly origin. And then from there, science picks up and gives us a biological substantial existence until our last breath and that spirit leaves our body again. So it's faith and reason. But what right now, what we're lacking is reason. But you're leaving one part of this out and that's the enforcement. It's called law. And here's the plausible deniability and everything you're pointing out from my point of view. You could get a hundred lawyers in a room and ask them if everything in Black's Law isn't nautically based. And I imagine most of them will say, what are you talking about? These are just the laws that put together society in a way that allows it to function. When in fact, we understand, and even from the description you just gave, it is all nautically based. There is no portion of the existence of a human being in the modern world that is not relatable one-to-one with seafaring. Is there? No. Because we came from the sea. That's right. I mean, that all the time in the womb is the sea. So how is it that we have all these lawyers in the world that are one step below a knight? That's what Esquire means. They're not a knight. They're one step below a knight. Hint, hint, hint. 
But the point is, is if you talk to any number of them making their living in law and you tried to make the argument, this is all based in what we'll call admiralty law, for lack of better terms, or nautically based. This is the plausible deniability in all of it. Who's ever going to, you know, common sense almost dictates that that's not true. But in fact, we're showing that it is true. If I were to ask you a very funny question, if I said, who walks on water, Crow, what would be your answer? All you do is ask me funny questions, and I still feel like my nose is about <laughs> underwater. Jesus walks on water according to the New Testament account, clearly. Okay. J-E-S-U-S walks on water. Right. What you know boats. The reality is this. What is the only thing that walks on water that we know of reasonably? A boat. A boat. So the vessel or the boat, yeah, the boat or the vessel or the ship that we came in on is the thing that allowed us to walk on water. That vessel, that extra embryonic material is the boat that got us here. It's the thing that got us from zygote to full-blown, two arms, two legs, and and, and baby out of the womb. That's the boat that got us here. You're you're pointing out which I've tried to do a lot of times, poorly at some times, that there are many levels of meaning. And we're getting down to deeper levels of meaning that not even the man in the black dress there could probably have ever explained to you. So, so there it is. here we go. Here we the go. The boat that got us here that is capable of walking on water, that vessel, the very thing that was cut away from us and taken away from us, That vessel, I want you to think about this. While we speak on the phone right now, is that vessel required for our existence today? Do we need that boat today? Well, I can answer that from the average point of view of any human being listening. No, I don't need that damn boat. I wake up every morning. I go get a cup of coffee. I go to work. I do what all human beings do. Now I'm going to go to the perverted side of what you're pointing out. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm lost at sea because I lost my boat at the birth canal. At the port of entry, I lost my boat. You lost your boat. And here's why this is important. The boat that got us here, if it's given its own personality, if it's given its own personhood status through the the legal definition of born alive, meaning everything out of the womb gets its own personhood status, if they gave that boat its own personhood status, What I want you to really think clearly about is this. Did that person, did it get you here to this new world? Yes. Biologically, Uh the answer is yes. That person got you here. Did it give its life so that you could get here, Crow? Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with the with the point of view, the perverse point of view. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm going to add something more here that just dawned on me, and I blew my own damn mind here because I've been around ships and boats and the Marine Corps and all of it my whole life. Every boat you will ever see has on the stern of it a name, and under that name on almost every single boat is the city it hails from. And on every single boat in this country you will ever see, there are numbers, a license put on the side of it. And I never (laughs) never really stopped to think about how perverse this all is because my car doesn't have a damn name. I don't write a new name on the tailgate of my car or the city that it hails from. But that boat, damn it, that boat 
gets a name. And what I just realized is that every boat should have your name, but it doesn't, does it? The boat that relates to me directly does. And what they did is they, they put that boat in its birth, in a birth. It's, it's so much, it's too much sometimes. Now, let me do something fun here. I'm going to, first of all, the word vestige, uh, the word vestige is a trace, a mark, or visible sign left by something, such as an ancient city or condition or practice, vanished or lost. This is the word vestige. The word vest, just like when people are talking about the Sedeke Vi saying they're revested. The vestment or the vestige is the evidence. It's your boat. The boat you wore to get here. The boat you came in on is sitting somewhere in a burst. Is it? It's the vestige. Yeah, well... I believe it's it's at least on file or on a on a shelf somewhere. That's a um, whole other legal thing. I'll let you keep going, but I I suspect most of those boats are long gone. Go ahead. Well, I agree with you. I think they maybe even burned the boats. Anyway, um, holy smokes! Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so, so that's like a death right thing or something. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. Don't let me get you off track. The idea of birth, we can go into all the what I like to call the the results of this this idea, this thing that they've done. What is the the legal ramifications or what does it mean to you? We can talk about it in a second hour, but I want to do something here. I'm going to type in the word B-E-R-T-H, defined, because most of you go, Kurt, I'm sorry, but birth, B-E-R-T-H, and B-I-R-T-H are two different things. No, they're not. No, they're not. Now, if like I go like, to, let's go back to the ancient language where there are no vowels. We've covered this, so people should be fine with it. Go ahead. Okay, so the origin of B-E-R-T-H, which is a ship's allotted place at a wharf or dock, a fixed bed or bunk on a ship, train, or other means of transport, a situation or position in an organization or event. The verb is to moor a ship in its allotted place, and of course the other is to dock. And then, of course, a passenger ship is to supply or provide a sleeping place. This is B-E-R-T-H. And people go, how in the world can you think that B-I-R-T-H is the same thing? It is. Because the origin of B-E-R-T-H is B-E-A-R, to bear. B-E-A-R-T-H, bearest, is birth. So if I go to the definition of bear, B-E-A-R, that's why I love when you keep calling it a bear trap. It is. Because what it is. It is a, it, it's literally a bear trap. And the word bear is to carry, uh, of a person is to carry or support. In other words, here's the word bear, something difficult to deal with, to accept or allow oneself to be subjected to, especially without giving away, to call for as suitable or essential. Is the boat you wore coming in here, is the boat you were inside, is it suitable? Was it something that you were wearing, so to speak? Did they create something that I call it a man of the cloth? Did they create something from that material that allows you to wear it in a sort of coin of the realm, or, or, or I call it a technicolor dream coat, where, where you're able to wear this thing and be protected as long as you know it exists? All this nonsense, I know it sounds like nonsense, but it all comes down to one thing. The boat you came in on, or the vessel, is the extra embryonic material. It is the ark of the covenant, which, uh, which directly links you to the act of creation. If you fail to remember the boat, you have disconnected yourself from both God, the creative act, and that which God created, which is the zygote. Once you do that, there is no man. The man right. has left. 
I need to jump in here. We're close to the top of the hour. And to make it perfectly clear, yeah, there's levels of meaning to things. We've gone over this. I've gone over this. This is all so logically sound. Even the responses from the National Security Council or the chairman in chief, everybody knows who I'm talking about. It's plausibly deniable, but man, that's beyond coincidence. And I don't believe in coincidence. Some of the responses An hour two, we will post not only the third letter that Kurt wrote, but we will post the proclamation response a week or more later. Look, think about this logically. Did you come to be alive and existing when you came through the birth canal at the port of entry? Or was it earlier, like about nine months earlier when the divine spark came to the zygote? Because most of us have been convinced that the birthday is the day that matters, which means we have surrendered, forgotten, and not acknowledged nine months of a divine spark that gave us all life. That's one of the underlying ideas. Jason, I feel like I need a life preserver. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? I would definitely like to get into more of the legal terms of everything that we'd be going through here, the nautical language and all that. I think folks still struggle to see how this all ties together. And if it's possible in hour two, I would like to do more to define all these things. Okay. Yeah, it's it's all very perverse. I'll, I'll use the bear trap to the end of my days because that's what it is. And it's indefensible. And the problem is, is that's true, but it's not. Because all of a sudden, there's this whole legal system that makes it defensible, which is perverse on its own level. But let's suffice it to say, I'm no different than anyone else listening. I feel like my nose is barely above the waterline, and I'm not making a pun. It's the way we should look at it. I feel like I need a life preserver. I feel like everything I've been taught was to obscure the things that I actually should have been knowing. But that does bring the first hour of episode 195 to a close. We hope you'll join us all over at crow777radio.com. That's C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. We have free speech there. The idea of censorship is a perversion of its own. Right now, the news can show you the most violent acts. But if anyone runs the exact same footage, they will be accused of glorifying violence. Go figure. Any violence against a human being cannot be shown on places like YouTube, which I guess precludes 80% of every Hollywood movie ever made, just to make a fine point. But join us all for the second hour at Crow777Radio.com. It's going to be a hell of a thing, man. And I'm using that word for a reason. It is a hell of a thing. There it is, man. Cheers.
a beast of knowing.